Hey everyone, welcome to this week's release of the Hashrate Happy Hour podcast. On today's show, my guest is Steve Barber. Steve has years of experience in the oil and gas industry, as well as the Bitcoin mining industry, with a formal education as an engineer, and he is the CEO and founder of Upstream Data. Steve's company is an oil and gas services company that specializes in integrating Bitcoin mining operations at oil and gas sites to help increase overall efficiencies. Their goal is to help pair modular Bitcoin mining data centers to natural gas and oil operations to convert waste gas into useful work that can be monetized. On today's show, Steve and I will talk through how Upstream Data is one of the pioneers in building and supplying portable load centers directly to the source of generation at oil and gas production sites, how oil and gas companies are viewing this unique way to monetize their otherwise excess gas on their sites, and how Bitcoin mining is naturally moving farther and farther upstream towards the point of energy generation. For me personally, this was an incredibly educational and insightful conversation about how Bitcoin mining is finding itself more and more embedded in the oil and gas industry. So with that, I hope that you enjoy today's episode with Steve Barber. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. Like I said in the introduction, I'm here with Steve Barber at Upstream Data. Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Ben. Appreciate it. Yeah, looking looking forward to the conversation today. I think what I'd really like to do, Steve, to kick this off is dive a little bit into your background. And I, I'd love for you to touch on how you went from, you know, kind of an old traditional industry, oil and gas, and, and went from there to Bitcoin mining? Well, certainly uh, relative to Bitcoin mining, it's an old traditional industry, but I'd, in the scope of human civilization, it's quite new and exciting, this oil field stuff. Uh, and uh, it's, it's really hard for people to understand unless you're in it and you see the pace of innovation. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I am a, by trade a mechanical engineer. That's uh, my schooling, and I started working in the oil patch um, as a student at the start. But I mean, professionally, like my first uh, outside of school job was 2011, and I working for oil companies. Basically, my job was to, and what became I would say more more than a job is more passion I, I really enjoy it is uh helping the oil company optimize production so like i was a production engineer and uh did some facilities engineering as well so in that role like in that that first uh gig at that oil company so that was like what got me into uh the energy industry was you know alberta's and saskatchewan's oil and gas industry that's how i started and yeah and then uh uh, turn that knowledge and skill set into, uh, you know, once I le learned about Bitcoin, I guess, uh, in 2016, uh, turn that knowledge and, and the passion I had uh, for, uh, I, I would say, I would even say it was un uncharacteristic passion. Like I really, I'm a little bit of a psycho in terms of like just spending all my after hours uh, trying to, trying to create stuff uh, in the oil pad and like tools and stuff in the oil industry and 
that passion just fit over into Bitcoin. I just became the obsession I had for uh, oil and gas production, which still persists. Um, basically, just uh, came over to Bitcoin mining when I when I learned about that. So, so yeah. Um, now I'm really uh, I got a foot in both worlds. I got an oil and gas services business, upstream data. Uh, we focus on Bitcoin mining, as most of the world knows. The most of the world that know us knows that. Um, but we also do oil and gas um, services as well, oil field services. So I'm pretty focused on growing that business as well as the Bitcoin mining side of things. Yeah, I appreciate that. And so looking at that, like you you just touched on that, that optimizing of production, is that that have a lot to do with upstream data and, and what you guys are trying to do with your customers? It's actually our core business uh, is really optimizing production still. Um, although we have branched out into non-oil field Bitcoin mining projects, but our products, like all of our products that we've developed for oil field Bitcoin mining, um, we have like, you know, we call it a hash generator. For example, it's a generator. It's a natural gas generator with a Bitcoin mine attached to it. So we are the first in the world to like, put that kind of product out there. And that was actually my first ever product um, back in 2017. And it's developed over the years. It's changed a lot. Uh, we've had m many iterations. But um, the point of that product was to attach to oil wells, not gas wells, actually. It was primarily meant for oil wells that had associated gas. And it just took, over, took up that excess gas volume that they couldn't use for fuel or sell into a pipeline. And... Uh, basically unload what is normally rate limited. So like the oil well um, is rate limited on production in many cases because of the emissions of the vented or flared natural gas. So the point of the product was to, and, and what we still uh, get for most of our deployments on that product is because uh, we do sell it into just pure gas plays as well, like people that are mining Bitcoin on stranded gas. But the, the purpose of the product, the original intent, was to uh, tie it into these associated gas streams that are being wasted and then to turn that into Bitcoin. And so the entire system and e even the controller is, was designed to modulate the Bitcoin mine, like the hash rate, like the clocking and the, how many servers, how many miners are engaged, uh, loaded on the engine. And basically, we engage the mining load. Uh, I just call it, our, you know, the computational load on the engine mm -hmm. um, in response to what the engine can do, uh, which is like, you know, a function of um, what it's doing already. Like, so for example, you know, I'm probably already going way too in the weeds, but no, you know, for, Keep going. for example, like a lot of oil uh, and gas facilities are powered by engines. So we, like our systems are designed to pair with those engines and, take up all the surplus capacity that the engine has because most oil and gas wells the engine is oversized to run the facility and so when you have a waste gas stream that's being burned or vented and you have an engine sitting there already and it's not being utilized to full capacity uh, well it makes a hell of a lot of sense to drop in a you know a, what we call a load center a bitcoin mining load center um, to that generator and take up all the excess. It's the same kind of story you hear um, broadly in the Bitcoin mining industry right now with like grid, they just loosely call it like grid balancing, 
load balancing on grids, um, you know, through frequency response mechanisms and mm -hmm. other such things. Um, it gets a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of hype in the, in the grid, grid industry, but we've been really utilizing this tech, uh, since 2017 for natural gas capture. It's fascinating. It, uh, I just candidly, I don't have a lot of exposure to the, the oil and gas industry and especially this piece of it. So I, I am super fascinated by all of that. So you mentioned that they have an oversized engine on site already. And is that already tied into the natural gas that's there then? And, yeah. and so this is really an easy tie into their operation. Yeah, it's actually a no brainer in a lot of cases, but you know, for a lot of oil companies, they still have to think hard about doing it, even when it's just like clearly a big win, um, just because the the perception they might have around Bitcoin, but also the risks, like the real, very real risks, like handling coins and all that stuff. And, you know, it's sort of not primary to their business. But yeah, I mean, it, it's sort of like a, a variety of, there's a variety of applications, um, but the, there's the original target application, uh, which we still are very successful in getting deployments is, uh, is when you have that sunk ca capital in a generator that's on your facility already, it's already powering your facility. And, and really it's analogous to exactly what's happening on the grid with Bitcoin mining at industrial scale. You, you have a lot of cases where you have baseload generators uh, thermal generators, or, uh, even like on the renewable side, you have overbuilt, uh, you know, obviously cause it's unreliable. You have overbuilt facilities on wind and solar, and, uh, you can have if effectively curtailment of that power. So it's the same thing in oil field, but on a micro scale, it's a micro grid and you have a generator, uh, providing base power to the facility. But the facility's requirements fluctuate. Uh, they don't always need a steady load. Um, it can be weather dependent, you know, uh, it can be, uh, it can just be, it's usually just production dependent, like what's happening down hole. Um, but you can have a well even, you know, start at high rates and decline and the bottom hole pressure declines. Um, and that you can have different things. Like if the, if the rates decline, you have different power output requirements from the engine and all of a sudden, you might have uh, either more or less power uh, required by that engine at any given time. And so the whole Bitcoin mining thing and the, the computational load response aspect of it is awesome because it just can spool up or spool down in response to what's available, available on the fuel side, but also available on the capacity side of the generator. And so, you know, we, we effectively build microgrids. Uh, they're not connected to, you know, anything offsite. Um, but we build that for, for the oil company and it's the real cool thing, of course, as you know, and your listeners know, um, it's just the, the whole, the whole, you know, it's sort of mind blowing with this whole Bitcoin mining technology being a portable demand on energy. Right. So it really mm -hmm. just, it really just shifts the, it makes, it makes, uh, it, it basically cuts out the middlemen of energy distribution, uh, in a lot of ways, um, which is why I think we see a lot of, uh, FUD around it and resistance from some of the middlemen in the, in the industry, like in, a, in the energy markets, you know, not embracing Bitcoin mining because it sort of cuts them out. And if you think about it from like a upstream oil and gas company, you have to, you're usually getting 
bent over by the midstream companies on rates, on what you get paid and your fees and you get locked into these nasty contracts. And, you know, um, it's not always certainly one sided, but it's it's not often a great deal for the oil producer uh, to sell their gas. Um, and we come in and we're like a virtual midstream company and we just can work with them uh, to sell their gas to a different market than, uh, you know, the local gas takeaway market. And sometimes that's better uh, for them. Uh, they make more money. Uh, sometimes it's worse. Uh, it just depends on market conditions. So um, overall, it's uh, it's definitely, you know, I think we're all seeing it in, in yeah, anyone paying attention to Bitcoin mining. We're seeing um, quite a rapid adoption and industrialization to a variety of, uh, of sources of power. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, uh, moving, moving upstream to, towards the generation. Oh, absolutely. Um, so what I'd love to, to maybe pick apart a little bit. So I, like, like you mentioned, I mean, the benefits here are so obvious and I think, you know, we probably live in that, that side of the, the coin, you know, quite a bit, um, if you are hearing pushback from any of these guys, what what does that look like? Are, are some of these guys pushing back on this, um, some of these oil and gas operators? And if they are, what what are you hearing? Uh, I wouldn't say, uh, like, we get pushback, I guess you could say, from the producers. Uh, not so much on... Um, uh, you know, the, the, it's for them, like we're, we're basically, you know, we're being a service company. We're there to pitch them on what we build and sell it to them, sell them some kind of service, right. To help them make more money. I mean, that's what we do and that's what any service business does. And so in that approach, like when we're, when we're pitching them on buying a Bitcoin mine, you know, there's oil companies that want to buy everything and own it all and mine mm -hmm. their own Bitcoin. We've been quite successful uh, setting up a lot of oil companies mining their own Bitcoin. Um, but when you get, when you talk to the bigger companies in the space, like ExxonMobil now, uh, they're, they're known, it, it sort of leaked last year that they're mining Bitcoin. Now they're not actually mining Bitcoin. It's a third party. Um, but in, in normally what you see from these big companies uh, Presently and, and likely into the near future, at least, uh, the most of them aren't going to want to self-mine Bitcoin. Uh, they might create a subsidiary or something to do that. Um, but what they want and what they are willing to do is like other things like, uh, well, obviously sell their gas to Bitcoin miners. That's the easiest thing. And they take almost no risk. Um, we don't we don't usually work with oil companies on that kind of model. Uh, but we do other other models like where they buy generators, for example, from us or provide their own generator and then we'll pay for power um, or or we'll help our customers get set up with that oil company and pay for power. And so like the, the pushback that we get from oil companies directly isn't so much like they're, they're not it's not so much any worry on the tech. It's more of a risk thing. They don't want to take the risk on. Um, certainly on the computer, on the asset, like the servers, the miners mm -hmm. or the Bitcoin, they often don't want to touch it. Um, and we, we actually provide a service for them. So they never have to touch it in, in cases where they do own the hardware. We basically white glove it for them so we can just send them a check and fiat every month based on what they mind. But so we have simple agreements like that with a lot of oil companies. Um, 
I think the pushback, though, uh, you, you certainly get a lot of, obviously, uh, you've heard, we've all heard of lots of politicians pushing back on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've heard regula- uh, regulatory bodies pushing back on it, including in the oil field. Uh, there's been, I can name a few jurisdictions that have not been friendly uh, to Bitcoin mining. Um, sometimes it's like emissions related. Uh, they think it's, they, they haven't really or they won't admit that it's actually reducing emissions. And so they, they still slap penalties on like, for example, Canada, though the Canada, at least it might change this year, but they've been charging a carbon tax on stationary power generation in the oil field, even though that the power generation has a net carbon reduction. Uh, it's just the way of, it's a stupid way of accounting that they're doing a yeah. uh, completely misaligned system that's broken. And then, and so they, you know, they've, whether they, it's by design or just by, I would say more so incompetency, like a typical regulatory body, like not in a enforcing rules, um, like in a, in a properly synergistic way with industry. And they've, they've created bottlenecks and problems and, and basically have stimmied, uh, say like the, they've stifled the pace of innovation and deployment in, in places like Canada for that reason. Um, I know of a lot of people that have not invested in Bitcoin mines because they're too worried about the carbon tax implications, even though they're reducing carbon emissions. This is fucked up. Uh, so <laughs> uh, excuse my language. Cr- no, 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 that's, that's yeah. fine. That's crazy. That, that's... So that's like, you know, one I guess like, you know, long answer short, like there, there is pushback, not normally from our, our customer, targets it's uh they might their only pushback is usually like balance of risk like like is this worth the money to them and you often get like you know the common uh, feedback we'll get is like well we could spend our money on drilling more oil and make better returns than like bitcoin mining very valid statement but you but usually we have to just respond to them well we're not really competing with your drilling budget we're competing with your gas egress budget and uh, nothing really compares to Bitcoin mining from a payback standpoint uh, relative to any other gas egress options, at least in the last decade in the oil and gas industry, because gas prices have been absolutely garbage and they're going, they're trending back towards garbage right now. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's a nice part of, uh, of Bitcoin, uh, the, the whole Bitcoin thing. Sure. Yeah. It's, uh, and I mean, I'm sure, you know, you get, some of the guys in the mix that are, you know, well, we could just go put our cash into buying Bitcoin. I mean, there, you hear all sorts of things. I think it, it's yeah. just really the, you have to work with the customer to figure out, you know, how is this add on to the business going to be beneficial for them? And, and if it makes sense, then you move forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So your company name, the the name of the company is upstream i'd love to to maybe hear your thoughts on how bitcoin is moving up the stream how is bitcoin moving upstream why is it moving upstream um maybe just some of your thoughts around just the natural path towards the the point of generation or production um and and why that's happening yeah i mean uh uh, yeah, my company, the root of the company name was upstream oil and gas and data centers. That's what really triggered upstream data. Um, that, and, and I have other aspirations of 
basically automation and remote management of, of oil and gas facilities. So I thought it was an appropriate name. I liked, uh, I also didn't want to affiliate directly with Bitcoin because I thought, I always think it's a little silly. I think uh, sort of more broad, broad names are better and for the long run. But anyway, yeah. So, I mean, the, the concept of mining moving upstream in the energy, like energy infrastructure, I mean, you can sort of look at really energy systems are extremely simple. Um, they, they're of course made up of a lot of complex components. Like there's all kinds of switch gear and, you know, a different, even a lot of stuff I have no idea about. I'm not an electrical engineer, but like different parts of the system that are, you know, rather quite complex, but really what, what we're talking about in any energy system, it boils down to uh, generation, um, generating electricity, then transmission and distribution of that to a load which is your demand on the energy. So it's really, you can almost say there's only really three components, a generation, distribution, and, and consumption. Um, or you could say there's a fourth, like, which is the, the, the potential energy, like the fuel source, like whether it's wind or coal or whatever sure. it might be. And I mean, when you look at that system as just a simple system, the grid is that it just has a lot of different generation feeding a lot of different distribution feeding a lot of different loads like a lot of different consumers and that's where the complexity comes in and that's why uh you know managing grid infrastructure is not so easy as you know i'd make it out to seem and and what we do professionally is microgrids like we're we're I've, I've built literally the most simplistic microgrid for a bitcoin mine possible it's it's an it's a generator and a Bitcoin mine all in one skid, like one little package. Like it's it's generation, distribution, and load all in one package. And so you don't get simpler than that. That's as simple as it possibly can become. But thinking about it in simple terms is is useful. And I've, I find that, you know, when you look at that product, for example, what I call a hash generator, um, that's as upstream as it gets in the energy supply chain of that generation down through distribution to load. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the grid and traditionally where Bitcoin mining has started on the grid, well, it started where at home effectively, right? With Satoshi on his laptop, right? It's like there's been articles written about what even laptop he was using based on, they could sort of infer the CPU cycles and stuff. And, you know, there's some cool stuff there, but it looks like he started on a laptop the industry took off and home mining sort of had a micro boom before it went sort of slowly industrialized. But even in the industrialization of it, if you look from, you know, Bitcoin Genesis in 2009, which was purely home mining, then over the next couple of years, people started, you know, developing bigger rigs, like whether they're GPU rigs or FPGAs or yep. uh, the first Bitcoin ASICs, which were in like 2012, 2013 uh, timeframe. That transitioned towards industrial, uh, but even then, uh, they were very, I call it downstream on the grid. They were they were at they're in warehouses, they're in slightly better. And I mean, back then, the 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 economics of Bitcoin mining wasn't so. It didn't really matter what your power price was. It was more so getting hash rate online and keeping your capex down. Capital the capital costs on these computers back then were so high that power wasn't so important in terms of your rate, but that, you know, a transition and now power is, is basically the driving factor, like your energy rate, mm -hmm. um, as it's sort of matured and commoditized, but, you know, um, 
everything started downstream and then it's slowly, you know, you see case by case, it go move, move further upstream in this distribution system. Like you get guys to get a competitive advantage, they go uh, pair up with a substation and cut out all the downstream distribution. Now we're seeing um, big companies uh, move like it's uh, what's the company Talon Energy. There's a few like Stronghold Digital has a coal plant. They have mining basically at the coal plant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know in oil and gas, like call it off grid oil and gas, like stuff not feeding the grid, like electrical grids, because you do have that in oil field too. You have power plants in oil production zones like feeding grids, but in the off grid stuff. I've known for years of companies uh, uh, have adopting, you know, our technology that we build, like, for example, but uh, and building their own stuff, like, at uh, midstream power plants. So, I mean, the trend is is, is sort of, like, like you were saying, like the trend is upstream in energy infrastructure towards a generator. And that's where, to me, it makes sense. Because uh, when you have a technology like Bitcoin, which is really the only scalable uh it's the only scalable load um demand on energy um any load that's willing to pay for energy that you can put anywhere like uh you you can certainly do that for other computing systems but i would say they're not so scalable whereas bitcoin mining is ultra scalable you just add more servers you have no counterparty you have no like third party like if you're a data like a traditional data center and you're serving like Amazon's back end, like, like they're your customer mm-hmm. and they have certain re- restrictions and requirements on how their data centers are, you know, the reliability and the like, and, and Bitcoin money doesn't have that. So you, you have basically unrestrained scalability. It's effectively linear scalability um, that can go right at the power source. And so you don't need to pay the middleman midstreamer guy the guy who's like if it's oil and gas you don't have to you don't you you don't need to work with any midstreamers you just work direct with the upstream guy uh in the grid you don't need to work through any um now of course there's regulation that make this not possible in some areas but any areas where you have private generators like private companies generating power you don't need to work with the downstream guy who is paying for their power you just cut them out you build the bitcoin mine right at their plant and anything, if the, if the grid doesn't pay them enough, then they just send it to the Bitcoin mine. And uh, it's really rather amazing. And, and I think we haven't we barely scratched the surface of what the politics we're going to see that play out on, you know, as more and more generators do this. Because I know if I was a private generator and I could make more money mining Bitcoin, I wouldn't sell any to the grid. I mean, why would you? Now, the grid's going to have to pay for pay more to compete with miners but of course miners are capturing the lowest hanging fruit which is the waste energy right now so that that is not really you could say non-competitive with current grid users yeah it it's it's such a fascinating i mean the electrical side is is definitely more hit or miss than than the oil and gas industry um i feel like when it comes to looking at at this type of move upstream i just as an example, there there is a small uh, municipal power company in Minnesota that has a, a decent sized Bitcoin mining facility at it, but they're sourcing their power. They're not a generation transmission type utility company. So, I mean, th- it's 
it's built at a substation in the middle, which is interesting. So, I mean, it's still, still kind of working its way upstream and, and getting, it's getting closer and they're, they're working on it. And then, you know, I've heard that there is legislation. Well, last year there was talk about legislation for, for some tax incentives specifically for Bitcoin mining um, out in the Dakotas. I know North Dakota actually has that in place, I believe. So they're, they're working on it. Um, North Dakota is quite, yeah, they're quite pro, uh, Bitcoin mining. Uh, Minn Kota is one of, I think the, uh, I don't know if it's one of, or the, the authority there. Uh, I forget now I met with them a while back. I've, I don't really quite under, you know, I'm not from there, but <clears throat> we have customers in North Dakota and they're very pro, like they've been very great at facilitating our customer success. Uh, been really amazing actually. So yeah, I, mean, I like to see, I guess you call it the Midwest, uh, US, I don't know, I, I'm <laughs> yep. Canadian, okay, so uh, I like to see those areas, though, like adopt it, and it's really good to see, and, and when, you know, you mentioned that substation um, in Minnesota somewhere is, you know, the, maybe the, the municipal power entity is doing that, that's awesome, um, and, but you look at it, and like, uh, you know, it's it certainly, that's where most, I think, uh, grid mining is right now. It's sort of on kinds of deals like that. But you, you sort of got to wonder, like, because the built into the power price, you know, they're basically paying whoever's supplying them the, the electricity is that overhead and cost and maintenance on the distribution and transmission. And you can argue, and there are certainly reasons why there will always be probably a need for, there will always be, in my opinion, a need for this, like call it downstream mining and the demand for it. There's a lot of really nice aspects of it that get more complicated the further upstream you go, such as yeah. uh, execution of the project. Like it's quite easy to execute, you know, one Bitcoin mine off substation than it is like, you know, like a bunch of little ones on all the power plants feeding that substation. It's a lot of things like that that play in, into the, you know, the economics of just doing it further downstream. But, but I do think um, it'll just keep trending the way it has been. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. Support for this episode comes from Sunnyside Digital. Are you ready for the next Bitcoin bull run? Get ahead of the game by building out your Bitcoin mining infrastructure now. Sunnyside Digital is your one-stop shop for everything Bitcoin mining, from transformers and switchgear to racks and miners. With a white glove approach to understanding your needs, they'll provide you with the hardware you need at the most competitive pricing possible. Say goodbye to your sourcing headaches and say hello to Sunnyside Digital. Contact their sales team today at sunnysideinc.ca or via email at bwalsh at sunnysideinc.ca. All right, now back to the show. Yeah from your perspective as that trend keeps happening and maybe more specifically in the oil and gas do you think you'll see more of the business model of self-mining it so companies you know really picking this up adopting it understanding how to, to hold and sell bitcoin or do you think you'll see more of like a hosting and or like you, you touched on earlier more of like a partnership for you know just someone coming in and paying for the the gas I think the end game, you know, the intermediate game, like the, the, the where we're in at now, like we're sort of in the, still in the early industrialized, call it 
maturity of, of the market. Like we're still early. Mm-hmm. Um, the end game to me is very clear that it will be um, those, the generators, the, whoever owns the generation uh, will mine the Bitcoin. Uh, they might always like for quite a while anyway, I could see it being something that they offload to a third party, like they do a hosting contract and sell power. Um, I do see that in the near term is likely the start of when more generators, you know, and I'm talking any generation, not not just like what's commonly talked about, like wind and solar, but like coal plants, uh, natural gas plants, peaker plants, baseload plants, nuclear plants. Like Tal- I think it's Talon Energy who has a nuclear facility right now that they just built like 200 megawatts of uh, Bitcoin mining load. Oh, wow. And I don't know if it's through a subsidiary or a third party, maybe, you know, arm's length, if they're just selling power to this entity, like a third party, or if they're actually, you know, the shareholders in that power plant are actually self-mining. I'm not sure. In the end, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's more really a share of risk. So, uh, as a group, they're mining Bitcoin and there might be different shareholders, different entities based on risk profile. But at the end of the day, it's the same thing. And, and from a me- like mechanically or, or electrically or from an engineering perspective, like having it at the plant or as close to the plant as makes you know sense from a from a you know, facility standpoint is exactly how you want it, because that's the minimal. You're never uh, losing power in heat loss and transmission like down down through miles and miles of cable and Mm -hmm. transformation of power and so that's it's it's the most efficient uh from a from just call it a mechanical standpoint uh from an engineering standpoint and and that's where i see it continuing to go so it's really cool to see that and i i don't know how long it'll take until you know, uh, more and more of these, pri- especially private generators, public's a different story, right? Like when it's a public utility, which I think in several jurisdictions in the U.S., the, the authority is a, more of a, like all generation through distribution is all owned publicly by the state or, uh, or by some like regulated entity. But, you know, at least for private markets, which, you know, they exist throughout the U.S., like any private generating mm-hmm. station, I could see them all getting into it in a very short amount of time. It's part of our company goal actually is to build and sell uh, facilities to these uh, generating stations. Um, our products fit there. Like it's sort of built purpose built for that. It's just mainly oil field right now that's adopting it. Um, but we have like big designs that we're hoping to target actual big power plants. And, you know, we are, we're, we would be a supplier, uh, not the miner, uh, mm-hmm. the miner might be them, uh, or it might be a third party, you know, that, that in the end, we end up being a, a service partner too. Um, but, uh, it's certainly happening already and it's going to keep happening. I mean, uh, the thing that holds, uh, a lot of these guys back, like whether it's oil companies or, uh, I can imagine like private owners of private generation generating stations say like a peaker plant or a you know coal baseload power plant like whatever it might be Uh, a lot of what holds them back is the cost it's just simply the cost the cost of the mining machines is rather high so you know we've seen that cost trend down though like in and on a cost per kilowatt basis you know just the cost of the installed capacity yeah so if that if that keeps trending down which it 
inevitably will, as electronics do, um, you know, it's going to become a lot more appetizing for them. You know, the margins might be tighter, and it sort of implies that they will be tighter as costs come down. Um, but, and, you know, there's more ASICs sitting on shelves, like there's more minor mining hardware idle. Um, but it, it, it'll become like, I, I sort of feel like it'll actually just incentivize. And we sort of see this with the oil companies, even in this bear market, oil companies that wouldn't touch the investment, even though it made a lot more gross revenue a year ago. Uh, they, they like the fact that the computer prices have come down like 10 X or whatever it was like compared yeah. to those prices. So, so there's a lot of really good things happening and that shifting, you know, continuing the narrative that mining is such an awesome thing for energy systems. And, and if you, if you even like any listener that doesn't, well, I doubt you will have any listeners that don't like Bitcoin, but <laughs> You know, like if you disassociate any perceptions you have of Bitcoin and just think about the energy side of it, there's really not a lot of ways you can knock it. Like it's it's really an incredible technology. You might knock how someone applies it. You might say you don't like me because I set uh, natural gas companies up to make more natural gas. Some people don't like that. They think, oh, it's bad for the environment or whatever, whatever you want to think. But in the end, on it, if you just look at the energy system as that simple system I described, like it's only a good thing. So, oh, absolutely. Um, and you, you you touched on another piece. I'm actually wildly fascinated. We don't have to spend a ton of time on it, but you mentioned the kind of the commoditization of the ASICs, the Bitcoin miners. <laughs> it's, yeah, that it's a hotly debated topic right now. You, you hear a lot of people who want to tell you that the prices are going to just keep following Bitcoin price in lockstep. And it's just, I definitely think that that is trending down, but you got a lot of people. That... Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, it naturally you think it would, uh, uh, because like, for example, I mean, you can see clearly on public data that the efficiency of these chips the rate of improvement over prior generations has slowed, right? So like, you know, simply put, like when you would have a new piece of hardware come out twice as efficient in two months, for a, that was happening early days. Uh, now you're getting uh, a new piece of hardware that's twice as efficient as next best in two years, like, like two to three years. And that's going to keep expanding, right? So that time frame between like, say step change efficiency is, is expanding and of course that's clear i mean just look at the data it's it's a proof and it's proof in the trend and so that would of course just simply imply that you know as more machines are produced uh their marginal benefit over prior generations uh is going to be less and less which means that these prior generation machines are going to last longer like if they're if they're mechanically reliable like if they're not breaking they're going to be economically viable for longer. And, and even when they're not like say what we saw in this last bull market, like we just need to remember these S9 machines were as low as $20, right? A pop $15 less if you bought a huge quantity, right? Or free, free. <laughs> <laughs> and, but then all of a sudden the market flips and they're, they're, uh, where they were, had no margins on a base power cost, they all of a sudden were making really good money and like were paying out to the owners very, very quickly. 
And so we're only going to see more of that. Like the, and that, and we were talking like, we're talking like new gen, say an S19, uh, the first versions of that were three times as efficient as an S9. And we saw those S9s come back to life. Well, you know, the XPs versus the first gen, like S19 pros, J pros or something, the XPs are quite a bit more efficient, but not that much. So you're just going to see, uh, like, I think of my company, like we're sort of done with S9s, not because of, I don't think they aren't going to come back in value. I actually think they still will. Uh, the, the reliability is just getting bad because they're, they're, you know, they're not being made anymore. Yeah. So that, that's more of our concern with it. And compared to the, which is on topic, like the reliability of the machine, as that gets better uh, and the machines don't actually like depreciate physically and they can actually just stay online for 10 years straight and you have minimal maintenance, you know, as that gets better and better and not just the actual uptime for it's like uh, mechanical failure or whatever, but uptime based on environmental conditions. Like, you know, if you have, a, if you're in a really bad climate with a lot of humidity or something, and, you know, you get premature failures from maybe shorts or, or whatever it might be. Or, or uh, uh, you know, you, you hear about people mining by the ocean and they, they get corrosive, uh, salty air coming yep. to their hashboards. As the machines get better and better better made, like better built, better quality. Because that's what the manufacturers are going to have to differentiate on in the future. Because, I mean, you got like one guy's got a chip at X and the next guy's got a chip, chip that's like, you know, 1.05 X on efficiency, like just a little 5% difference or something like, no, it doesn't really matter. Like you, 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 the cost, you, you know, the price and, and the reliability become more important. So, you know, I'm excited for that because it, if you, if you think about it, the, 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 the rapid change in the computer hardware and its efficiency change and the obsolescence of prior generation has actually really stifled the adoption by non-hardcore Bitcoiners, like, yeah. like, yeah. like a power company. They don't want to go reinvest in a, a whole nother fleet in, th in two to three years. They would like to hold that investment for 10 years. You know, that'd be nice. Um, and not have to upgrade everything. So I, I just think it's like, we're on this amazing trend towards this complete, uh, you know, like across the globe, every energy system, at any industrial scale is going to be integrating it. And if they don't, then other users of their system are going to do it because, yep. you know, they're just going to play some arbitrage play. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the innovation around the, the computers themselves, it, uh, that, that's a whole nother, like I'm, I'm very fascinated by Bitcoin mining with energy producers, but then also on the, the, just the innovation in the actual computer itself i'm i'm wildly fascinated by it so actually to to kind of switch gears back to the bitcoin mining aspect of it and kind of on the same topic of innovation what are some of the other efficiencies that that you see or that you may have identified that bitcoin mining can come in and help so you know just as an example of that like heat recapture is another innovative area that bitcoin mining can step in and I, I don't have the data off the top of my head, but the, the amount of power needed for all the heat, especially here in the Midwest, up in Canada, we need a lot of heat through the winter months. Yeah. 
are there yeah. anything, are there other areas like that that you guys have identified or that you're excited about? Yeah, I mean, stuff like, uh, I wouldn't say like our company formally is identified or, or you know, but like me personally in the industry, I, I enjoyed chatting about and stuff, but then talking about, but or writing about or tweeting about or something. But, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm actually not a big bull on the heat recovery stuff. Um, not as big as you see, uh, like you see a lot of Bitcoiners that are really excited about it. And I've always, always had the same sort of position. My position hasn't really changed even after seeing some pretty cool products and projects come to light, to light. Um, and, and you can see it in, in what we do as a business. Like, you know, we, we designed this black box product and that, that would, it actually caught sort of fire, uh, in the bull market, uh, in terms of like, I think a lot of people know what it is like in the Bitcoin mining industry. It got a lot of recognition or like, uh, it got a lot of tweets. I don't know what you want to call it. Yeah. So at least on the Bitcoin Twitter industry, like part of the world, like it was, it was well known, but like people were like, well, why don't you reuse the heat? Uh, cause I, d I designed the black box to not use heat, like not reuse heat. I, I said, there's a big market for people that want to mine at home but don't want to deal with the noise and the heat. So yeah. I'll build you a box that lets you stick it outside, right? That's what it does. But then a lot of our customers ended up sticking it inside or plumbing it inside so they could reuse the heat. And why not? Like if you can reuse the heat, you should. Um, if you're already going to be mining, you're just offsetting some other cost. From the, I am excited about the heat reuse thing, like in a, in a, in a way, um, I think water cooling, the new water cooling, uh, technology that's been developed for Bitcoin mining is probably the best way to utilize heat. Immersion okay. is another way. Uh, but you, you, cause you got air cooling, you got immersion cooling, you got water cooling, uh, immersion and water more or less, um, different, different in their systems, but they're both really good at, uh, giving you the ability to, you know, exchange the heat. Right. So there's definitely some cool applications of it. I, I mean, we've built, we've sent black boxes to, so air-cooled mines to greenhouses and they're using it in a greenhouse. Um, anywhere you're using electric heating, you should be mining Bitcoin. Like that's like yeah. simple, I, you know, there's going to be cases where you just need, it's not going to make sense because you need like higher, you know, resistive heaters operate at much higher temperatures and, you know, okay, like you're going to have some scenarios where it doesn't make sense, but if you're like heating your home and you're in, I don't know, Quebec and you're paying hydro um, to heat your home through electric heat, uh, you should really think about uh, yeah. undoing that, that, you know, electrical resistance system and maybe figuring out how to blow uh, mining heat through your house. That's a, that's a no brainer. Uh, Cause you're, you were talking electric heat, right? Yep. But now if you're in Alberta, like I am, and I can go plug my black box in and plumb it into my furnace or something and recover some heat throughout the house. Um, but I'm, I'm currently heating my house in my boiler um, on natural gas. We have abundant, cheap natural gas here. So to me, I never actually ran the numbers, but I, I would save a bit of money on, on home heating uh, by putting the heat in my black box in my house. But you also got to remember, like, we're also paying most of the fees in a gas bill are like distribution and, you know, like the transmission of it and, and the actual usage is nothing. Yeah. So it doesn't, it doesn't like, uh, it, that's where it's like, it's, I, I consider it a, a niche. 
uh, the heat reuse, but it's a good niche, like in the right niches. Right. And then, um, you know, like I, I'll always, I've always brought this up and everyone just laughs at me, but like there's, there's, there are potential technology, uh, uh, use cases that are not in use today that could be in use in the future. And for example, uh, which are, there's a reason they're not in place today, but like, you never know what the future holds. And for example, uh, if you think about Bitcoin mining loads and what it's doing to stationary power generation, you know, which we spent most of the time talking about, like optimizing generating stations. Well, most of the world's power isn't stationary. It's portable. It's like automotive, it's cars, it's trains, it's planes. Anywhere you have a, uh, autom a moving power plant, you normally have a lot of waste in brake energy, right? Um, think of a, a car. And now, like, that's why EVs and stuff are pretty sweet, because they can recuperate that brake energy. They can regenerate it into the battery, right? But most of the world uh, doesn't operate on electric. It's on um, internal combustion engines. The, so it's more science fiction, but, like, uh, you know, when you, when you think about what the future holds, you never really know how technology will develop. And if you could make a Bitcoin mining machine, like the perfect like end system would be weightless, which is not possible, of course, and massless weightless wouldn't work. But the closer you get to weightless uh, for the same power consumption, the more applicable it is to portable because now you're not hauling around a heavy load and burning fuel, if you know what I mean. So yeah. you could use it to break cars, to break trains, uh, anything you're not recuperating heat, uh, like you're not recuperating energy from brakes. You could do that. And it would be, if you had this science fiction reality of weightless uh, computers that are also cheap as hell uh, because it's commoditized, so we'll never get to that perfect system, but maybe we get close enough that it's actually economical to throw this this futuristic tiny little like one kilogram, you know, 10 kilowatt mining machine integrated into your car. And all of a sudden you're not wasting any money breaking your car. You're yeah. monetizing your brakes. <laughs> and so, so stuff like that is cool to me. And, uh, and guys like Drew Bansall, um, he works for Unchain Capital. He's he's postulated on a, some cool aspects of Bitcoin mining that, you know, a futuristic civilization, you know, could uh, leverage. Sure. So these are the cool things that, like, no one would take seriously until it becomes a thing, right? So oh, it's really cool. <clears throat> it uh, I've, I've not heard that type of you hear all sorts of cool innovation stuff but that, that that's new i like that that's that's unique um so just to to keep a tab on the time and and just kind of a, a you know ending question for you steve what from your opinion what might be something that the oil and gas guys are missing you know if they're not mining bitcoin right now what what might they be missing or, or what would be a good way to help shed some light on why they should be integrating this? That's a good question. You know, that's sort of the key to me making a lot of sales, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, 
you know the thing i always find it hilarious like i like i even before i got into the bitcoin mining thing with upstream data uh, i was developing uh production system improvements uh, for oil and gas companies, like downhole pump improvements, tools, stuff that'll help them make money. And I always found it so crazy. Maybe it's because like, I'm more of the creative type or or like to think, like I want to try new stuff. Mm -hmm. And you find that companies, most people don't want to try new stuff. They just want to just do what they know. That's like my experience. Uh, Most people don't want to take, say, personal risk on new stuff it's one thing to spend the company's money sure but like but actually making the decision is tough for a lot of people and they got to really you know you got to put a lot of mind power into it if it's the right decision and you know i think that's part of the problem with this whole bitcoin mining thing and the adoption in the oil industry or in the upstream generation side of the grid is uh the the difficulty that you just generally see in companies to make those tough decisions that you really have to put a lot more of your mind power on than maybe your typical day to day. So it's a hard decision in that way. And I've seen, like I have a pump that I designed uh, for a company. Uh, we couldn't get it to sell uh, in the market that it should have sold in. So it was a, mar- it was a bear market in the oil patch. Mm. And this pump saves you a lot of money. And we proved it. We did some trials on our dime. We proved it, but we couldn't get it to sell, right? It's like, and it was like, man, I learned a lot of things in that experience because I'm like, this is a good idea. We proved it. Uh, they've seen the proof now, the guys that trialed it with us, but they still don't really want to go into it, like buy into it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think any um, any company in any nascent industry will sort of come into that, like it's some kind of wall before it finally breaks down. And it's been like six years, I think, since I designed that pump with this company. And now six years later, uh, maybe because, you know, uh, the industry's changed a bit, there's a bit more money, it's actually starting to do really well. And it's just this funny thing I've learned trying to innovate in different industries that, like, you don't get immediate adoption of even really great ideas. And uh, sometimes I, I sort of feel like, even with this example, this pump thing, a lot of it is uh, they're watching their peers. And when they see their peers using it, that's what lets them, gives them the, it's like it gives them the the confidence in the decision they need to make to take the risk on it, right? So I think that's what we're going to see. That's why it's really cool when you do see companies like, you know, I mentioned Exxon Mobil, they're just the biggest, you know, oil company in the world. So, and actually I, I've met with a lot of their people in Houston and an amazing uh, uh, campus they have there. And they're actually a little outside the box for a big oil company because they actually do a lot of forward-thinking risk-taking, which is what you'd expect out of a big company. But I can tell you, uh, after working at both sides of the industry, at the oil company and at the service company, most big companies do not want to take risks like this even when it benefits them the most, which is the crazy part to me. Um, like, cause I couldn't get a sale early on and with that pump idea. And uh, it was sort of like me starting upstream. We had so much trouble getting people to even give us a shot. Yeah. And you know, I'm, it's pretty clear though, that like, if this works for you, it might not work. You might have to spend, you know, 50 grand or maybe a hundred grand to do a trial like that, like big, big money, but nothing really to them nothing 
And if it does work, and it sort of has them on paper, it looks like it should work, then you can scale this across your properties and, and maybe save, you know, tens of millions of dollars, right? Yeah. Whether it's that pump thing or some other widget some guy makes. And it's so weird to see that, that but that is what I think we're seeing in the Bitcoin market is the same mentality you see in every nascent technology is the some people are willing to take the chance and then eventually everyone follows suit uh, because they're like they don't want to miss the party they don't want to be the loser left behind and and i think that's you know i think that's where we're at i think yeah. like you see these power companies like even the, that local municipality put their neck out there like and and have risk embarrassing themselves and, and the decision makers especially and uh they're the real pioneers and they're the ones um you know that are going to drive this technology so yeah yeah uh, absolutely we we definitely need those first adopters to to make visible moves yeah um well steve really really appreciated the conversation today would love to you know give you a second to you know have a handoff, uh, contact information, um, where, where can we point listeners to, to get in touch with you upstream, that sort of stuff. Sure. Uh, I got to stop giving out my personal contact details cause I get so <laughs> many goddamn messages these days, but no, it's a good thing. Um, you can find me on Twitter at S G Barber, B A R B O U R. And I, my web, my website for my company is upstreamdata.com. Um, that you can, I'm easy, very easy to contact. If you actually want to contact me, uh, even that Twitter link will get you into my DM. So, um, yeah, feel free anytime. Um, and, uh, thanks for the time, Ben. I appreciate the opportunity to preach the gospel of Satoshi, man. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, this was awesome, Steve. Thank you. Appreciate it. Take care. No worries. Take care.